Hi, this is Kenny Duff, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. It is Sunday, January 15th. You know, all my life, there have been these constant reminders of what it means to grow. When I was a young boy, my parents would measure my height and mark it on the side of a tall wooden kitchen cabinet. They'd put a little short line there with a pencil and the date, all to show how much I had grown. Then there were the times when I'd be told to grow up. Those were usually times when I did something really childish. And it started when I was a kid. Of course it does, right? I'd be like seven years old and I'd hear, grow up or act your age. Well, duh, I was acting my age as a matter of fact, but my parents were not having any of that. Then as I grew older, I'd still hear that phrase, but now it came from my wife, my kids, my boss, my friends, even sometimes from folks in the church. I mean, what's up with that? Then there was the time when I became a grown-up. Well, it wasn't related to how tall I was, that's for sure. But it meant that I had assumed or would be assuming adult responsibilities and taken more account of my life. This is when we often hear fellow grown-ups saying how they wish they could go back to being a kid again, back to a time when life was simpler. And when I became a Christian, I started hearing about this thing called growing in Christ or being a mature Christian. I can tell you that after nearly 45 years of being a Christian, I'm still working on growing in Christ and being mature in my faith. The fact is that Christian growth is complex and it involves many change agents. And those agents serve to set up fertile soil in a Christian's heart. Just what are those agents and how do they set up that kind of soil in a Christian's heart? We're going to find out today, that and a whole lot more. Now, last week, I began this new four-week sermon series called Rooted, Grow Deep, Live Strong. And the first aspect of being rooted that I talked about was the word plant. And I gave you a demonstration for those that were there in person, a live demonstration of how I learned how to plant a seed when I was in kindergarten. You know, we had the little burlap cup, the potting soil, and the seed, and we put it all together. Now, the whole point of that is we were talking about the planting process and the soil. Now, after the seed is planted, what's the next thing that you expect it to do? Well, if you said grow, then you're right. We expect the seed to grow, and ultimately, we all want that seed to bear tons of delicious fruit or vegetables or just look beautiful. I also talked about the different things necessary to help the plant grow. From the seed to the soil to the water to the sunlight, There's numerous agents necessary for a seed to grow into a plant. And the point of last week's sermon was about how seeds need healthy soil to grow. Today, I'm going to talk about the other necessary agents of growth in a believer's life to bring the seed of the word to full fruit-bearing maturity. So let's talk about those necessary agents of growth through the lens of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, Open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. And this is what Paul writes. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. 
It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. You know, it's important to remember that it is God who makes things grow. Yes, the seed matters, the soil matters, the water matters, the sunlight matters, but ultimately the master architect of growth directs the agents of growth. Let's talk more about that. The first point I wanna share is spiritual growth does not happen by human hands. Take a look at verses five and six of that text. It says, after all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, we see the early church fighting and quarreling about a lot of different aspects of faith. In fact, it was such a problem that the Apostle Paul addressed it throughout the books of both 1 and 2 Corinthians. One of the specific arguments was over loyalty to different teachers. Now here in verses 5 and 6, Paul mentions himself and Apollos. Apparently, some believers preferred Paul and some preferred Apollos. One of Paul's points was that to act this way was to act like those who were not Christians. But Paul was clearly pointing out that he and Apollos were simply servants of God. Yes, each had a different part of that ministry. Paul planted the seed of the gospel message in a believer's hearts. He was the missionary pioneer. He was the founder of the church in Corinth. And Apollos watered that seed, helping the believers to grow stronger in their faith. There's no posturing here by either one of these men. They were servants of the Lord and were pointing people towards Christ, not themselves. So this commentary in Paul's letter was intended to free the readers from unnecessary comparison and to focus on God's work in their lives. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we continue to argue today about what is the best path for growth, which Christian speaker is best, which church is most impactful, and on and on it goes. According to Paul, these things all have a place, but ultimately the growth is up to God and it is not through human hands. The next point is that we are God's field. Can you say that? We are God's field. Look at verses seven through nine of the text. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. So here Paul continues by saying that whether it's him, Apollos, Peter, or any missionary or minister of the gospel, they are nothing more than God's instruments to be used by him for his purpose. In other words, Paul says, don't follow the field workers, follow the owner of the field. In verse 9, Paul describes the Corinthians as the field itself. They are the ones in which the gospel was planted. God is the one who caused that gospel to take root and to grow in them, bringing them to faith in Christ and eternal life. A key point about being God's field is knowing that while each servant has various functions, each one is a team member with the same purpose, and that purpose is 
to bring people into God's kingdom and to see them mature in their faith. And yet that said, each servant is still individually responsible for his or her work, and they will, as it said in verse 8, be rewarded for their hard work. Isn't it good to know that God is interested in your growth? That's really reassuring for me. I think it's amazing, actually. He sees each human heart as a field ready to bear fruit. And that's true for us today as well. We are God's co-workers in growth. But that begs the question, how can we practically help God in his work? Well, we should act with wisdom and immerse ourselves in community with others who love Jesus and are growing themselves. We should dedicate ourselves to reading God's word and spending time with him in prayer. We should regularly worship Jesus with our lives. We should constantly evaluate our lives and repent of our sin. And we should evaluate ourselves based on the commandments and instructions of Christ found in the Gospels. I mean, wow, doesn't that inspire you? That sure inspires me. But those words, dedicate, evaluate, and repent, oh my, we don't want to do that, do we? That means we have to be honest with ourselves, and quite frankly, I think we tend to avoid that sometimes. It's uncomfortable, and there are times that we just don't want to give up the sin in our lives because it just feels so good. But if we're going to grow in Christ, pride has no place in our lives. We're part of a team, and each of us has a role to play, and we've got to remember that our ministry does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. The third point I want to share with you today is this. In God's field, growth is not an option. As Christians, we're expected to grow and mature in the faith. To be stagnant, that's just not an option. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but verses 1 and 2. We haven't read them yet. So let's go back there, because here in these verses, Paul makes a comparison between milk and solid food, and it's really applicable. Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you were not ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. Now, why would Paul say this to the Corinthian believers? He had to say this because they were not growing in their faith. So what does that mean? He had to continue to feed them or teach them the basics of the faith instead of teaching them deeper truths. Why? I'll tell you in a moment. Just hang on. Just as babies drink only milk as they can't yet have solid food, these baby Christians had to keep relearning the basics of the faith. Paul longed to teach them deeper truths, but he realized they weren't ready because they were still influenced by the world. That's the reference to the infancy there. Their sinful desires indicated their mindset was worldly and not characterized by the desires of the Spirit, and their jealousy and quarreling just proved it. And to top it off, this had to have a very negative effect on the church as a whole. Does this sound familiar? Can you see why this applies to us today? We all start out as infants in the faith, but we're expected to grow. We are expected to become mature followers of God. The fact is that some Christians are comfortable with their current relationship with God, even if it reveals immaturity and sin. Folks want their cake and eat it too. This shouldn't be. 
It's our responsibility to take the necessary steps in our lives and others' lives to be the agents of change God intends us to be. One of the joys that I have as a pastor is there'll be people that come to me and one of the most often questions is, is, will you baptize me or can I be baptized? And that leads to a beginning discussion. I remember talking to a, a dad one day. He had come to me and he wanted to get his life right. He wanted to receive Christ as his savior. So I had a chance to talk to him and we just had a great conversation. It lasted actually over several different days till finally he had come to the point in looking with the scriptures with me to realize what he was really saying about wanting to be baptized is he wanted to be saved. He wanted Christ as his savior. And so just a couple of days before the baptism, he said, hey, my oldest daughter wants to be baptized as well. And I said, okay, well, let me talk with her. So I had a chance to talk with his eldest daughter and we went through the same things that I had talked to him about. And she was really ready for this decision. I was so excited. So the day of the baptism, this gentleman said to me, he said, hey, is there any way I can baptize my daughter? And I said, absolutely you can, but I have to baptize you first. And so we went out into the swimming pool of a couple at church who always made their pool available for our baptisms. And I had the privilege of baptizing that man into Christ. And then he immediately turned around and baptized his daughter. It was the coolest thing. And I got to be a part of that. I got to be one of God's agents of change to be used in that way. And I tell you this story for the glory of God. And then there was another father and son, Doug and Jaden, that wanted to be baptized and receive Christ. And, and it was the greatest thing to be able to baptize them both in the name of Jesus, one right after the other. A great bonding moment for them. Such an incredible blessing to be in that position that God would allow me to be. And then I think about dear sweet Lucia, a senior saint in our church right now. She came to me one day earlier, late last year actually, and she said, I really want to be baptized. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, but I, I really want to fulfill Acts 2.38. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do that. The reason I'm telling you all of this is not, again, for anything about me. It belongs to the Lord. But it is our responsibility, yours and mine, to take the necessary steps in other people's lives to be the agents of change God intends us to be. And that doesn't mean you have to be an ordained minister. It doesn't mean you have to be in other kind of ministry? No. If you know Jesus as your Savior, then he can use you for whatever he wants, anytime he wants. And that's the beautiful thing. Now, the next point we need to examine regarding our growth is that growth needs the right environment. It almost goes without saying that spiritual growth, like natural growth, needs the right environment. It would be ludicrous to think that an apple tree could grow in the middle of the Sahara Desert where the proper agents were not present to help encourage growth. Similarly, it would be equally as ludicrous for believers to think that they can have a robust and fruitful life as a disciple of Christ if they're constantly immersed in sin and evil where the divine agents of change are not present. So let's consider the way Paul presents the idea in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Like I said last week, this scripture passage could be the flagship scripture for this series. In fact, let's just make it that. It's just that good. Follow along as I read Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. 
Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Here Paul is saying that the Colossians had not merely accepted the doctrines of Christ, they had accepted Christ himself as Lord. The verb accepted means more than just the moment a person accepts Christ into his or her heart. Paul was reminding those believers, and us today as well, of their receiving the proclamation in teaching and their confession of faith, their baptism, and their new status as members of Christ's body. Now, because Christ dwells within all believers through the Holy Spirit, we should live in obedience to him. Take a look again at verse 7. I love the imagery here. Here Paul gives the Colossians several profound points for Christian living and growth. First, Paul tells the Colossians to let their roots grow down into Christ. Just as plants draw nourishment from the soil through their roots, so believers should draw up nourishment from Christ. The more they draw strength from Christ, the less they are fooled by those who falsely claim to have life's answers. Second, the Colossians were to grow in faith. Like a plant, they were rooted, but they had to keep growing. They had to keep the foundation strong. And the strength of that foundation can be maintained if it is built on Christ, because he is solid, secure, never shifting or changing. And thirdly, Paul wanted the Colossians to grow strong in the truth. This is also a continuous, ongoing process. The truth which the Colossian believers had been taught should be a source of thanksgiving. True understanding of what Christ has done on the behalf of believers should lead to no other response than gratefulness. You know, it's pretty hard to remain in a stagnant place when you're overflowing with thankfulness for all that God has done in your life. Rejoice always in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Folks, let us be willing to evaluate and scrutinize the environments in which we're trying to grow. Be honest today about the things in your life that are not conducive to healthy growth. And the last point I want to make with you today about growing is recognizing that adversity is an opportunity for growth. Admittedly, it can be hard to differentiate unhealthy times and situations from seasons of adversity that God may be using to grow us. We'll talk more about that next week. But in light of today's teaching on growth, it's important to recognize that seasons of adversity can promote healthy growth. And for that, let's see what James has to say. James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now you know it's not our nature to endure, is it? When it comes to adversity or trials, we would rather escape, explain, or just exit the situation. In fact, we will tend to do almost anything to avoid enduring a trial. But James is telling us that faithful endurance generates whole people, recognized as strong in character or mature. And as such, we'll be ready for anything the Lord would send us to do because we have been fully trained. Now the weakness and imperfections are being removed from our character. We're gaining victory over old sins, we're demonstrating a sense of competence about life. 
So here's a few tips for you to continue to grow through adversity. It's super important to be prayerful through it all. It almost goes without saying, I know, but it should be automatic in our lives. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between adversity and being in an unhealthy situation. If you find yourself in that kind of situation, then seek counsel from a more mature believer, maybe your pastor or an elder or a senior saint in your congregation. And maybe most importantly, be humble enough to ask for help when you need it. I know, especially for the guys I'm speaking to you, if you need help, ask for it in your church. We all have seasons of adversity and we all need a little help from time to time. That doesn't make you weak, my friend. It makes you human. You will come through trials and adversity. You'll come through stronger. You'll be a more mature believer. And that is positive kingdom growth. Now, you might not be where you want to be right now. But by the grace of God, you aren't where you used to be either. Trust the process of growth, my friends. You've got to believe it takes time. But just because you don't see any visible growth does not mean that it's not happening. You are God's field. And it is God who will work through the agents of transformation to bring about growth in you. Cultivate the soil of your heart. If you missed last week's message, go back and listen to that. I gave you some specific things you could do at the end of that sermon to help cultivate the soil of your heart. Evaluate the environment that you find yourself in. If something needs to change so that God can grow you, then you need to make a conscious choice to change it. Ask God to grow you and give you the courage to embrace the growth as it comes. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Let God's work work in you, beloved. The journey is long, but the eternal destination is worth it. And to that end, let me close with a prayer. God, I know you. I know you desire to see me grow. I know that who I am now is not who I once was, and who I will be is not who I am now. Help me to recognize the areas of my life that need to be rearranged to create an environment for growth. Give me the conviction to make the changes so that you might have full reign in my life and grow me into the person you destined me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.